These are the sayings of King Lemuel. The sayings of King Lemuel, an oracle his mother taught him. A wife, a noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still dark. She provides food for her family and portions for her servant girls. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her task. She sees that her trading is profitable, and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive, and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the reward she has earned, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Amen. Thank you, Ms. Brown, for that psalm singing. That was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I'm Howard Brown, the senior pastor here at Christ Central Church. And let me say this first before we get into this. Um, when you deal with civil rights stuff, there is no way you as an individual in one sermon can see it all and cover it all. Um, especially with so many different kinds of women and different experiences and struggles and issues. And with the obvious, I'm a man, if you didn't know, not a woman. I had half some chance to get it right last week when we talked about race and ethnicity being a black man, but here we are. Let me say, like I said last week, this is one sermon I hope will get you women and men needy of the gospel and moving and struggling forward together for redemption and change in this area of civil rights. With that said, the imagery that has come to define the welcome to liberty and justice for all in this country is ironic, to say the least. It is Lady Liberty. That's Lady Liberty at Ellis Island. 
which took in millions of immigrants who helped to build and shape the United States. Well, Ellis Island for a lot of us, for some of us not. Sorry, that was last week. And at her feet is this inscription. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these the homeless tempest tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. It's even more interesting that the symbol of our justice system is a blindfolded sword carrying goddess Themis or Justitia. Our country, the United States of America, is a her as the song God Bless America describes. God bless America, land that I love, stand beside her. Guide her from these idealistic symbols of our country. Sorry. I read two sentences together. Stand beside her and guide her, right? From these idealistic symbols of our country, there is much honor, some hope, some glory, some beauty in being a her, a she, a lady, a woman. The world needs you. The world counts on you to be there, to be near, to birth it, to sustain it, to support it to resource it, to mother it, to make it, to nurse it, to kiss it, to hold it, to keep it, to be fair to it, to be its lean and collateral and backbone. But in this country, unfortunately, being all those things in a place of gender inequality and sexism, you are stuck either being a sword-bearing goddess or domesticated maiden. A steel magnolia, magnolia or a flower of the south. A queen bee or a princess. A trophy or a doormat. A cow or a chick. A madam or a prostitute. A female dog or a kitten. And what may be worse than struggling to find life and, and balance somewhere in between in a country that polarizes women by objectifying and then defining and, and designating them according to the needs and, and design of everyone else except her. And that kind of world in our country, our women have not been free to live and love and launch. Our country is a mother. Our sense of justice is a woman. And our liberty is a lady. God bless America. But our mothers are marginalized. Our women are silenced. And our ladies are objectified. God curse America. Like we discovered last week, this United States has given us civil rights. But God alone gives us civil righteousness. That is, civil righteousness, which are hearts and motivations and direction that are God of the Bible righteous. In our search and God's offer of civil righteousness, search for and God's offer of civil righteousness, we will look at Proverbs 31 that was read earlier. And this chapter in this book of the Bible by far has been the bane of Christian women who have this as the standard or rather zenith of what it means to be a godly woman. I want to go flip mode on some of that thinking and offer it as a zenith and standard of what it means to be godly towards and for our women. What it means to make a place 
and country and community and society and workplaces and homes where they can be the God-made, godly women God has called them to be. This text is just as much about males as it is about women in my mind. This is about all of us. And the first thing we can gather from what the Bible says here is that women are people too. Pretty obvious, right? Not by the way we treat them and they treat themselves. This proverb shows some roles and jobs women do. Mother, wife, homemaker. But those are secondary to her first role in this scripture. Just being human. Look at how this thing starts in verse 10. An excellent wife who can find her. She is far more precious uh, than jewels. And then verse 25, strength and dignity are her clothing. And she laughs at the time to come. And then verse 30, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Okay. A woman, a liberated woman, recognizes and others with her that all that she does and is flows out of her place as a human being, accountable and standing before God. This Proverbs affirms that she is clothed with dignity and strength. She wears her humanity literally as her sleeve. Her skin, her being is human. Which means she is not first defined and valued by her roles or or what she can do, but by what she is. A woman shares with a male a place as God's highest creation and royalty before the Lord. And this proverb affirms that. Understand that the first 30 chapters of wise wise sayings and, and proverbs were written properly, not generally, to young men. With the compiler... A writer of Proverbs has done, has almost has waited basically until the last chapter to say, and women too, right? So women are not forgotten. They too are called to the dignity to practice and live out wisdom and fear before the Lord. Now here is where this book is not a systematic tool. Because it basically lumps almost everything that was spoken to mainly young men in the first 30 chapters and gives them in large part in description to women in one chapter. That's why this description is overwhelming to say the least. But here's the point. A woman is equally called to God's wisdom. So she is not only called to do things like a male would do some things, but to do them in a godly And good way, she is not just a wife, verse 10, but a trustworthy and loving wife. Not just a woman who knows how to make money, but one who is called to, according to verse 20, to give it to the poor. Not just someone who can wear the best-looking clothing, but whose real clothing is her character. Verse 25, strength and dignity. And in verse 30, she is not to live in vanity, vanity because things are going well. She is accountable, not first to do these things well for her man or her children or even herself. That's less than human. A dog does things well for their master, but does them well as a human accountable before her creator, God. So out of that, out of her humanness, out of her humanness, she's expected to be seen and accepted as an equal contributor to the world and community and family. In Genesis, when God made the first human beings, male and female, he told them to subdue the earth 
to rule over every living thing. And so a woman who realizes that equal dignity is called to contribute fully. Verse 1, this woman is being a wife to her husband, a merchant and business owner of textiles. She gets the materials in verse 13 and 18, and then in verse 24, she sells them. And then she is a cook, a good one, with real wholesome organic ingredients. According to verse 14 and 15, she even has a garden she plants. Now, that's organic. And she runs a household finances and and real estate and has a home garden, like I said. In verse 16, she works at the shelter or something like that, a a philanthropist, a nonprofit worker, or sits on a board of some help group. In verse 20, she's a homemaker. In verse 21, she's a teacher. In verse 26, um, uh, and and home manager in general. In verse 27, and then she's a mother who has raised her kids and her husband, according to verse 28. What can a woman do? And what is a woman, as far as her created humanity, called to do in this civil and civic community world? Everything and anything. There are no limits that I can see apart from the ones she and God himself has set for her. Now, we could have a bunch of sermons on what God set, but we won't get into every little piece today. And the advice given to young men, this young man, by his mother in this proverb is clear. Marry a woman who is and lives like you. Which means what? A matching human being. This is a real woman. Find a human to marry. This is a real woman. One who is free to be and practice her humanity as a woman in the world. Find a matching human being in a woman who believes and trusts and fears the Lord in his wisdom and follows him. A woman who is free to be and practice her humanity is a woman in the world and her community and family and country. A woman who is, a, who is liberated to be human. I must warn you, though, because in this sinful and broken world, it is easy to look at this thing and wholesale women or parcel out our women. What do I mean? This chapter has more to do with manner than matter, right? More to do with how you do what you do, and less about all you must do. Understand again how this is written. This is a compact, comprehensive collective of a composite woman. I liked all those C's, sorry. In other words, as Shaka Khan put it, this illusion of a woman really is every woman. It's all in her. And so are you. You are all somewhat, at least in manner and simple magnitude in this picture. And I know most of you women have to multitask. But no one is expected to be this woman in performance. To do so would be to objectify yourself. And being human A woman human is way more complex than checking off this picture. This is a poetic description of of womanhood, not a prescriptive of womanhood. You will overdose on and enslave with performance if this is the full strength prescription and dosage for womanhood that we allow on ourselves and put on you women. And you, my sisters and mothers, are, are way too trapped 
in fear of not being more than enough. I believe Pastor Giorgio's sermon on Ordinary Joe preached a few weeks ago addressed a lot of this. But sometimes to be a woman who feels like she's accepted as equal or will be accepted with dignity, you, have, you feel you have to do four things perfectly well to every one halfway good thing a man does. And having to be Lady Liberty or Goddess Justice or America herself can be a real burden. It is an enslaving reality that everything and everyone must get everything from you while you keep yourself up and beautiful and good enough and say worth something on your own to survive in heart and body, to give it all to them so you can be a real woman. But for you to be judge, mother, provider, goss, go goddess, beauty queen, and Oprah Winfrey at the same time is way too much. And this world is urging and begging you to do those things. All those HDTV and Food Network and TLC with those perfect homes and, and food. I like it too. Maybe I got some woman in me. I'm just at TLC with those plastic surgery shows and e-channels all mixed up together. The way technology says you must be this and this and this and this to be that is from hell. not from this Bible. Because what it is saying is that if you can't be all of these things, what it's wrongly saying the world, when you can't be all these things, then you don't have rights or equal rights. And you're only treated equally if you can carry an unequal and burdensome load. Then you'll be respected at home, at work, in the church, in the neighborhood. Then and only then do you have dignity everywhere. Because more often than not in this fallen world, women don't get automatic dignity everywhere unless they can prove perfect or more per than perfect wherever they go or find themselves. But on the other side, we're tempted to make our women worthy and valued according to you know, on one side, we're tempted to make women worthy and valued according to the sum of what they can do. But sometimes we make the parts more valuable than the whole, right? Look at this scripture. She is a wife. She is a mother. She's a businesswoman. Community activist a leader's wife, an artist, a chef, a food connoisseur, an interior designer, a fashion diva. She even dresses like the mannequin in the window. And her husband is happy because she creates a welcome place for intimacy, and they have to say this in verse 30. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. You know why they have to say that? Because this woman probably looks good and is socially interesting and attractive. Now, the mistake we make, besides trying to be or only make a woman acceptable by being every woman and one woman, is by making and accepting her and her accepting and considering herself valuable and worth equal if she is exclusively one of these things. A woman is accepted only, that's like saying a woman is accepted only if she is verse 10 through 12, if she's married. Then, 
in certain worlds or in her mind is she liberated out of anonymity and purposelessness, right? Or a woman is only a woman and acceptable and is given rights if she stays at home and doesn't work outside of the house, right? Or a woman's worth is only found and her rights only extend as far as her being outwardly beautiful or fashionable. Or she has the rights to only be a sexual creature, right? Or, or her rights only extend enough for her to be a mother. That is, if she doesn't have children, then she is less than a woman and thus less than human in her own mind or in the ways people talk and treat her. Or... She's only liberated and a real woman if she could kick butt in the corporate world and count on no man and do everything to, to not be domesticated. She must be in a boys' club to have finally escaped being marginalized or in negation to verse 30. To be a real liberated woman, some believe, is to avoid being pretty, avoid being beautiful, to focus only on this verse and to say that a real woman is not charmful and seeking to be beautiful. Real women don't wear dresses and makeup. Real liberated women are androgynous. And all and each one of those things are seeking to objectify women and womanhood. Our father and mothers and so-called brothers, humanly speaking, and even our sisters have abused us and stripped and burden us with definitions and proof of civil dignity and righteousness that is just evil and limited way less than what God intended. This picture is about freeing you to be who God has made you. About freeing you from having to be or not be in order to be what you already are, a human being, a woman. My sisters, please let this Bible speak to you and free you from being the composite of what you are supposed to be or the deconstruction of who you are. This picture of civil righteousness and rights is a gift to you and not a burden. This proverb is extreme, to say the least. I mean, this is some extreme freedom for anyone, even today. She's free to be who she is, right? I mean, when we look at this picture, it is a call to be a society and people of this woman more than being the woman in this society. Listen, this is written in a culture where there are probably no women elected officials. In fact, this is written to a future king, and then look at verse 23. Her husband, this woman's husband, is known in the gate when he sits among the elders of the land. Now, I've always heard this taught that her husband is respected at the city gates because of who she is. Because, as verse 11, she's helped him to get there. And yes, as, as written to a future king, this does teach men something real true, Behind every good man is a better woman, right? I've heard the man might be the head, but the woman is the neck. Talking marriage stuff. It was fun. We had some friends over last night. It was time to pray. I bet it, I don't know. It was like, we need to pray in Kelly. Howard doesn't need to pray for himself. Why do y'all pray for him? And Amari's sitting there, and Cherise hitting Amari on the table. 
The man ain't in charge of nothing. I'm like, look at you, Amari. You're just praying because Sharice is kicking you in the leg. I guess he can say, you ain't praying because your wife said you ain't praying. Now a man lead us and pray. Okay, moving on. I don't know if that helped or hurt. In fact, our own First Lady Michelle Obama, in a recent article, got kicked back for seeming like she was controlling the White House. And she got the angry black woman label. Forget the fact that he is sitting in the White House in large part because this woman was smart enough to be his mentor while in law school. She might just have some things to say to help him out. Man, it is hard, obviously, being a woman who is associated with or married to a powerful man in power because you get the bad rap of trying to change things by usurping or rebelling or bucking or whining or crying and manipulating for power and control. But on top of all that stuff, this proverb is saying that this man is happy with his wife as a man in power, and the people around him are pleased with him and thus her. You know why, in part, I believe? Because of the future king that this is being written for and told to by a woman, right? And, 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 and the man who's mentioned as her husband in verse 23, it is their responsibility and their joy and work and their positions of shaping the world to make it a place where she can flourish. This man in verse 23 is no ordinary man on purpose for us to, to in purpose for us, on purpose for us, I believe, because it says he sits at the city gates and is known. He's a leader of the political, cultural, and spiritual life of the city or country or whatever, just like the king would be that this is written for. She is his cause. Her liberation and continued freedom is his doing in large part, and it is part of who he is in his heart for her and trusting her humanness, believing her God call and humanity more than her performance. He believes that she should be afforded the same freedoms and liberties and civil protection and rights that any other human should get. In fact, verse 31 says this, give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. This is not just Proverbs 31 woman. This is Proverbs 31 man in the Proverbs 31 society, in Proverbs 31 community. It's a community around her that operates in wisdom and led by people like her husband who see her as equal and make laws and ask that she be looked upon with honor and civil equality because he respects what God has made her. I mean, look at the freedom in which she moves in the city, buying land and get this big one here. Look at verse 18. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. And then verse 24, she makes linens and garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. And again, back to 31, give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Can we say fair wages? She gets paid her due. As a matter of fact, the advice to the king and the advice to the elder here is give her the fruit of her hands. When you make the law, when you're the king, what does he say? What does she say? Give her the fruit of her hands. 
She gets paid her due. She's able to make right and good profit and, and make good profit and be a viable part of the business world or whatever world. She's not taken or mistreated or mishandled or underpaid. In fact, verse 18 says her lamp does not go out. She works second shift, third shift, first shift when she can because she can. There's no gender discrimination. And this means there are no certain jobs for a woman unless God himself has stopped or forbidden her to do it. But this is the world we, not the woman or the man, but we the community and church and city and world that we are called to build where women are protected and not allowed to be treated unfairly or not be heard. And we must start by blessing our women. Look again at verse 28. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. And this is what he says, many women have done excellently, but you surpassed them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. We must speak a message and live a message that counters objectified misusing our women. Bless and praise her. And verse 28 is prophetic. It means to speak to her dignity. To speak for her dignity. To speak out. In other words, fight the power. That be with truth about her beauty, beauty and dignity and worth. We need to speak it. If anybody, the people who hold the word of God, should be the voices that make the difference. Yet we're on the other side of women's rights oftentimes as people who are called people of the Scripture. How can that be? It's time to speak to each other and, and to our, our wives about the evil language of body image and, and ugly or, or about sexual freedoms. We must start with our daughters on this stuff and instill them a, a bless you, a, a praise you beyond the way the world thinks you should look or whether you're charming or seductive to men or other women, period. This is a call to open our hearts and vote and judge and beat back unfair expectations and unfair treatment of women. And that applies to women too. Verse 26 says this. I like this verse. She opens her mouth with wisdom and the, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Some of you women are more detrimental than males to women's civil righteousness. That's right. Some of you have caused more mess in your so-called modeling and teaching of what a godly woman is to make yourself feel secure, possibly about your own oppression and unfulfilled dreams. I've heard it. Y'all say some mean and stupid things to each other. And there are kinds of relational jealousy and anger and fighting to be the top whatever and trying to feel like a queen, you disgrace what it means to be a woman. Some of you are selling yourselves and others short in your less than biblical advice. But we must bless out some things, right? <laughs> some cosmetic plastic surgery madness and pornography and that must be a stay-at-home mom or must be married or, and or pregnant to be in the real women's club stuff. Or the single mothers are basically irresponsible, unlike us, and they shouldn't get as much dignity or praise for being mothers since they became one this way. 
We must bless out our friends and colleagues that say insensitive things about our sisters and mothers and bless out and hold accountable deadbeat dads that have left them holding a burden and bag too big for them. So we fight. But we listen. Listen. I don't like to listen. I like to talk. Because I think I know. Sit down and listen. And ask questions about how they're feeling. And been made to feel with your wives and mothers and daughters. In this world, like the proverb is saying, they must be treated better than jewels. As precious and special, but not patronizingly. But most importantly, as I close, women should fear the Lord. Verse 30 says this, Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. I will promise you, just like the race stuff, this womanhood country quality stuff will run into a lot of snacks. It will be more than you can handle just like this chapter. Because truth be told, as much as I spoke against trying to be this woman, here's the bad news. This is a picture of perfection of what it will take to end unfair treatment if we are left doing it. The perfect king and perfect kingdom and perfect and perfected woman is the only way you and I are going to get to where women have equal treatment and dignity. Perfect. You've got to be Proverbs 31 if we're going to get there. And man, you have to be like the king and the elder making things happen. And you can't make any mistakes either. You must constantly bless and praise your woman regardless of how you feel. Perfect wisdom, perfect fear is what it's going to take to change things. But we... We, you and me, we will sometimes let our women down and women will sometimes let themselves down. And many will fall into the trap of charm and vanity and overachievement and being debased to get a place. They may still cry and hurt and fall down and want to die and feel like less because they are not married and not mothers. Why? Because the fallen world, the one we are called to fight in and work for change for civil righteousness is impossible because it requires a perfect woman and a perfect husband and a perfect brother and a perfect king and a perfect society for things to be perfect. But this is a woman in this chapter and a husband in the king and community who fear the Lord. What does that mean? They believe that they dare not think that their performance or best deeds or works or attempts are equal or good enough to do what only the Lord can do. That they dare not think that their failures to liberate will stop the Lord from beginning and finally liberating them. We must consecrate and give and humble ourselves for God's help in our hearts and teachings on this gender stuff. Things have changed for women in this congregation despite us. Things have changed for men that will benefit women around them in this congregation, though we have tried, but not hard enough. 
We have women in positions of leadership in the world here in, in ways 10 or 15 years ago in this denomination would never happen. And that is the Lord's work. I've been confronted, changed and corrected my own chauvinism. I got it. Taught what is good and right and wrong and being a man by what verse 26 describes. I have been taught by the kindness of the tongues of wise women. And I thought my mama was the only woman who could tell me anything. Sometimes I listen and believe. Keep telling myself it's a miracle. It's going to take a miracle for some of us men and women to really believe this. A miracle. This picture of beautiful, perfected, loved woman is the picture of God's church the bride of Christ. And the king is Christ himself. And he sees, and thus treats his church and his people and you women like Proverbs 31. And you stand and live and fight and defend yourself and defend each other as more than precious than jewels. And the Lord himself looks upon you like the husband here who loves her because you are Christ. And you are engaged in being blessed and changed and made beautiful and powerful to change this world by his words and blessing to you. And you will not be liberated fully unless he is your king. With that, he's promised to bring and is bringing right now through the church and the church into the world as the king to uphold and die for a world and people in this country who will rise up with him and pray and call women to bless.